Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now, you cannot like how the whole James Wiseman thing went down. And I'm not here to tell you that you are wrong to be angry about any element of it that you're angry about. There's a lot of herd, you know, it, it, there's a lot of anger. When it comes to James Wiseman not working out and what he might have been traded for and what did you get for the second pick in the draft and all of the complaints that come with a move this big around an NBA trade deadline. I, I would like to make you feel better right now. At least you're not the Nets. Ray, the Nets just did a terrible job trading Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. A terrible job. And their team might be a little bit better now in terms of just, you know, this is a big team that is young and we'll see. But, I mean, they can't exactly tank because they don't have any draft picks, so that wouldn't be no reason. They did a terrible job of trading Kyrie if they were also going to trade Kevin Durant. And you can't do one without knowing what you're going to do with the other. The Nets are just a terribly run franchise who will change their mind in the direction of their franchise over and over and over and over and over again. Let me let me just tell you this, that the Nets should have paid Kyrie Irving. The Nets should have paid Kyrie Irving and just rode out with Kevin Durant over the next few years because that was going to be your best shot. But nope, you're going to go ahead and punt on your best shot. And you're going to spite punt Kyrie, because you don't want to accommodate him, so you're not going to get back the picks that become a brighter future. You got back veterans that can show up and help Kevin today. Well, what good are those veterans if there's no Kevin there to show up and help out? Which it turns out, that's what happened two days later. And you're telling me, and this is what happened, because remember, this all starts. The, the fracturing of the Brooklyn Nets begins with James Harden going to Philadelphia. The Nets seriously traded three future Hall of Fame talents for six, ten, six or ten role players and six first-rounders that won't come with great value. That's a terrible haul for three future Hall of Famers, three of the nothing to even debate three of the best players in the NBA. James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. They all had their own special little hiccups and headaches connected to them. 
but there's three of the best players in all of basketball. And you're going to get rid of three superstars and have no guaranteed superstar or even avenue to a superstar really presented to you in your return? What the hell are you doing? What they're doing, and I'm not defending it because they clearly got nothing back for this grand experiment, but they are paying the price they should pay for ignoring the one thing about assembling super teams is they have to be sort of not only simpatico with each other, but they have to be simpatico with the rest of the operation. And Irving never was, which meant that Durant never was. And Harden opted out because he saw sooner than anybody else that this wasn't going to work. So because of the timing in which all these things happened, uh, they they spike traded at Irving, and then Durant came to them and said, "All right, what do we got here?" And basically forced their hand to trade him. So, what this was was a team that was built to win titles, never even got to play for one, and then they broke it up. It's the worst example of roster construction. Maybe in the history of sport. <laughs> it's up there. I mean, it's, it's certainly just, the worst team that was ever built as a super team. Yeah, it's it it's not the hall that's the egregious mistake here. It's the notion that personalities don't matter. It's the notion that talent is the only thing you need to acquire. Because there were plenty of red flags on Irving already from his time in Boston. And there were plenty of red flags about how much he could stay healthy. Think Durant, you, had the, think you Dur- had those red flags on Ben Simmons? They, they, they had to take Simmons to get rid of the problem they had with Hart. They should have called Harden's bluff. They just should have said, hey, you're here now, bucko. Good luck. Maybe they should have. But, you know, Harden was also a guy who basically said, I'm not playing anymore. You'll pay me, but I'll, I'll be in street clothes the rest of the time. It's basically three guys who forced their hand. And they, every time they said, okay, you don't want to play here? Fine, we'll send you away. It was, it was a disaster in conception. It was a disaster in execution. And it was a disaster in dissolution. They assembled them for the wrong reason. They tried to mesh them into a workable unit for the wrong reason. And they disposed of all of them for the wrong reason. It was a disaster from the start. And you can lay the blame wherever you want because they're all guilty. But this was a bad idea that turned out to be way worse than most bad ideas end up being. Look, to get Kyrie and KD both traded and you're coming back with just five first-round picks, Bridges, Johnson, Crowder, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Dinwiddie? For Kevin Durant? Utah got four first-round draft picks and a pick swap for Rudy Gobert. I mean, that's just insane. It's insane to have anything other than you won't believe what we just got back for Kevin Durant as the return for Kevin Durant means you did it wrong. Oh, no. No, Phoenix, Phoenix did great. But don't forget that unlike, unlike Utah, which didn't have to move Gobert because he wasn't asking to be traded, Durant put, put Brooklyn... In a, in a bind because he, he said 
get me out of here. They should have told him no again. They should have told him no. She said, sorry, buddy. It's your bed. You're laying in it. And I think this is where Joe Tsai bears the most responsibility. I think he was just tired of the whole drama. And I think he he spite-traded Irving because he was fed up with him. And when Durant came back and said, trade me too, he just said, fine, I'll trade all, all of you. I think he he just he he just got so pissed. He was tired of the whole episode. I think he's going to spend more time watching his WNBA team now. That's great. Because I think he hates his NBA team. Right you got to love a chair that folds that easily. God. Uh, did you see what Nick Ferdell said? That Cy and Marks adored, quoted, adored Kevin Durant, according to Nick Ferdell. And the Suns were the team that he wanted to play for. So they traded him to the team that he wanted to play for. Again, if you were trading Kevin Durant... Your return for Kyrie should have been different. Because <laughs> you brought in guys to play with Durant. Not guys to play with whatever draft picks your rebuild is going to begin around. Once you make those. Once you assemble enough picks to move up in a draft and, and do what you need to do to be relevant again. It It's just, it is. But I, they weren't trading to get anything. They were trying to get rid of something. And that's when you don't have leverage. But but it's so, so, th- so that's so when you if, don't do it. That's when you don't go into business. If, that, if you don't have the leverage, you shouldn't be in that deal. Well, okay, except that when you've got an owner that says, I hate that guy so much, I want him out of here and I don't care what you get for him. But they didn't hate Durant that much. No, but they did hate Irving that much. Okay, so then you move Irving under the premise of, Kevin, you're staying no matter what. If you're moving Kyrie, and if you wanted Kevin to stay... Then you re-sign Kyrie. You just—that's the bullet that you bite. Well, I, and I—you got to do your homework on in, this. You got to know the that war- the two of them are connected directly to each other. And if in, we move him, he's going to want out, and he can't want out if we move him. So we can't move him if he wants out. I mean, it's, in, in the in the logical world, yes, but in the world that the, the Nets live in, where the owner is now getting called out on a regular basis to the point where he hates the, all of it, you'd get the best deal you can. I'm not blaming Sean Marks for what he came back with. I, I'm blaming him for coming back with two trades that don't make sense when you put them one right next to each other. Well, but you can't put them next to each other because they're two different things done for two different reasons. No. You, you, there, yeah. is, there is no pretend moment of time that you can put in between these two as if they're totally unconnected and do not operate amongst each other's orbits. That's no, it. but they are both trades that you've already telegraphed to the rest of the league that you're going to have to make. And that's, that's why you when, don't do it. That's why you wait to this offseason and you bite your bottom lip and you suck it up, buttercup. Well, then you don't put it out there that you, you're you going to trade them because they did put it out there. They were shopping Durant all over the place. You think that stays a secret? Well, it doesn't. That's the thing. You don't do that. Well, or, or here's the thing. Shop all you want. If you don't like what you see in the aisle, don't buy anything. But I think they, I think Joe Tsai was telling them, and I'm not defending this. I'm just explaining it. There is a point at but which... But you don't know. You just think. This is what you think happened, but you don't know. No, no but based on, based on the only logical way this happened and the order in which it happened, if Irving gets traded, Durant has a meeting with Cy and Marks, they come away from it, you know, basically, you know, they're saying, fine, we're done too. You know, you can't take stuff out of the timeline. And the only way this makes sense is if they told Durant, all right, we'll move you. Where do you want to go? And this is the, I believe this was the best thing they could get. And they had already decided they were moving on from Durant, too. You want to know how much of a flop this whole thing was? The KD Kyrie Nets finished with as many playoff round wins, one, as the Paul Pierce 
Kevin Garnett Nets did. One. Yeah. That's oh, it. no, that's why it's that's why it's the worst bit of roster construction ever because they weren't guys who could play with each other or without each other. It was, they were they were married in a way that frankly it should have been annulled before it even they even started dating. But it did work out when they were playing together. That's a thing. They should have just put them in a room and said, you two kiss or wear a mask. It doesn't even matter anymore. Get boosted. Don't get boosted. But the two of you are a couple. You're sticking together. You wanted this. You got it. Uh, we got our pal Anthony Slater joining us talking all things Wiseman, Warriors, NBA trade deadline. More of your calls also coming up. It's Damon and Ratto here on a huge day. We're brought to you by CalHope.org. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. Well, it's a really good day to run into Anthony Slater on the Bud Light guest line. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy. Oh, the NBA trade deadline has certainly given us an awful lot to talk about. Slater, thank you very much for your time. I know you're a busy man today. I just saw you over on NBA TV. You're uh, popping up all kinds of places. Did a little Rosillo podcast earlier in the week. So thanks for your time, pal. How you doing? 
I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. And, you know, whenever there's a little news, we uh, love leaning into it. And obviously the news that the James Wiseman era is over. Um, I mean, I, I predicted he might get moved before the trade deadline. Didn't exactly think this would be the return when you really want to move all the, you know, dots together. It's it's basically James Wiseman for Gary Payton the second. Who would have ever thought, right? Weird move, right? It's just, um, you know, they were searching for a veteran who could help now. And it was not easy to get with James Wiseman on the market. And um, I, they were pretty creative in the way they, they, they got it to this point that gets Gary Payton the second back. And, I mean, the simplest argument is they found a veteran they know fits. I mean, he helps. I think it, um, you know, if you take two steps back and look at the whole string of moves over the last couple of years, it's not a fantastic look, but, uh, you know, you, you can credit them for accepting mistakes and, and like you said, kind of leaning into it. <laughs> Lucas is in my ear saying, please ask him about the overall Wiseman era. Lucas, there was no James Wiseman era. There, There is no era. He played 60 games. That's it. What do you think of the James Wiseman era? It was tricky. It was convoluted. Uh, you know, you just... Go back to like the drafting of them was in November. Drafts are never in November. It was the COVID year. Um, you know, sixty games sounds like a you know a career for James Wiseman. When you consider his college career, three games, right? Right. Um, and then you know, I can remember it was wild. His first training camp we couldn't cover in person because of COVID, so they would just send out these little blips of footage that, uh, and we hadn't seen him yet. And I remember they looked really impressive. And that's like what I'll always remember about those early days of the Wiseman era, where there was just those flashes of like, Oh wow, they might've drafted like Giannis. Right. I mean, like they, if I showed you some of this highlight film and that's all you'd seen from his rookie year, even his, remember they started him game one. I remember talking to the coaches, Behind the scenes, they're playing in Brooklyn, COVID year, empty arena, game one. He'd missed the preseason because he got COVID, and they're like, we're starting him tonight. And it was like, whoa, they must have seen something behind the scenes. And then he went out and had like 19 points, and it, it, I remember he had a coast-to-coast dunk in Detroit like two days later, and it was just like, you know, I, I mean, you can go back to the quotes. I mean, remember it. I got it. Listen. 93-89. Right crossover dribble. Sees Wiseman. Changes his mind. Shot by Plumley, Blocked by Wiseman, who picks up the loose ball. Dribbles down the right side. He's going to go all the way up and jam it! Wiseman going coast to coast with the slam! I mean, we got a collection of James Wiseman highlights. Yeah. All five of them. Yeah. Well, it's crazy because it's like, you know, you could think it was kind of like fan fiction or whatever that this guy was going to become some superstar, but you go look at, I mean, like, Joe Lacob is on the record calling him basically a generational prospect. Steve Kerr, after four games, is like, we got to move things around. This guy's a foundational piece. Draymond Green is glowing about him in his early practices. So it seemed reasonable to believe that something might be coming. And then, like, we don't need to get into all of what has happened since. But, man, I mean, what a what a quick fall. Um, of the things that happened to him, I mean, the injuries are the thing that jump out at you first, and his inability to grasp what the Warriors wanted him to do was second. But how much was he set back by playing on that team in 2021 that was so disjointed and, and so incomplete? Uh, how much did that impact his development here? I think it had a, a pretty big impact. You know, I think they, they tried to 
force fit him in that starting lineup with Kelly Oubre, and I think we came to learn like that just was not a good lineup combination. Uh, I think one of their big mistakes, and it's been admitted, but from a coaching perspective, like trying to immediately turn him into like an Andrew Bogut, David West type, where it's like, all right, well, you need to learn how to do the dribble handoffs and like all the different stuff that like veteran warrior centers do. He wasn't built for that, and he certainly wasn't built for that as a 19 year old. Um, and that, you know, that's derailed him. I think sent him off tracks, and then. I think the big, the, the, the toughest break he faced was I thought he was actually getting a rhythm late that season. They were bringing him off the bench. Remember, they were running a lot of pick and rolls. Jordan Poole was just blossoming. And then he just comes down bad on his knee on a dunk attempt when I actually thought he played pretty well over like an eight game stretch, tears the meniscus and, and that really sets him back. Uh, it was too bad. It was just all star-crossed right from the get-go. And, you know, something that and we got Anthony Slater here, our Warriors insider on 95-7 The Game. Something that Ray and I were talking about was he just, you know, he never fit the team's DNA. You know, a big man in the middle who might slow traffic down because he's in the low post was never who they were. And that might be the single biggest criticism of the draft pick. He was enough of a physical specimen to I get why in, let's face it, the 2020 NBA draft will not be remembered for its greatness. I mean, you're going to walk away with maybe four decent players out of that entire first round. So I get why they took the shot on James Wiseman, but maybe they shouldn't have based on that's not who they are. They tried to be something they, they weren't to accommodate the promise that might have been. Yeah, I think what you got to remember about at the time, though, is like they thought they were shifting who they were. You know, Durant had left, Clay, you know, had gone uh, ACL, and then how about he tears his Achilles the night they draft James Wiseman? I know. Uh, and and they were like, yeah, we haven't traditionally, you know, we've traditionally been small ball, but we're changing. You know, Steph's getting older. We're moving into a new era. We just had the worst record in the league. You know, even that next season, they didn't think they were going to necessarily compete for a title, which they didn't. Um, so I, it was pretty consensus. I mean, like Steve Kerr, you know, was, was in for drafting James Wiseman. Steph Curry didn't necessarily want a LaMelo ball behind him in the lineup, but he wanted a center he could throw lobs to. Like the skill set was tantalizing. And in retrospect, yeah, you know, they, they, they never really have needed and shouldn't have ever thought they were going to need like a post up big. But I couldn't even remember at the time. And I was an advocate of drafting them. It was like, well, at minimum, you got a JaVel McGee right away. And then with the chance to become, you know, something huge long term. And it made sense at the time, but yeah, I mean like, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. And just the fact that he was just raw in ways that you didn't know he was, or at least I think most people didn't know he was, and that just was really a hindrance. Um it, it's it's ridiculous to ask this question, but I'll try to frame it so that it's not quite so stupid. Going to a team like Detroit that really has nothing to play for except a chance at Victor Wembanyama, and make and announcing immediately that he's going to start. Is that good in your mind for his development, or are they maybe rushing this a little? Have they announced he's starting? Yeah. Wow. Didn't know that. Thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> I'm here to help. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, is he hasn't practiced yet, but he's starting. Yeah, Mark Spears apparently is the author of that. Okay, yeah. Well, um... I think it's better than sitting on the bench in Portland and like, you know, I've been been at the practices lately and like, you know, he's always had a really good attitude behind the scenes, but you could just tell it was just becoming detached. The situation had just run its course with the Warriors. It's why I think they finally came to grips with trading him. Um, I'm not saying Detroit 
starting him right away in this complete losing environment is fantastic for him, but it's better than what he had been experiencing. And he's just got to play NBA games. And even if they lose by 25 and he's a minus 23 for five straight games, I just think it's better than a DMT, and I think we all kind of agree on that. Anthony Slater with us here on Damon and Ratto. So Gary Payton II is back into the mix. When do you think this plan was actually initiated? Uh, is this something that they came up with, you know, kind of today out of nowhere, or is this something that Bob has had up his sleeve as a return to Gary Payton II as soon as he returned to active play, sort of been their X marks the spot of the trade deadline? Yeah, I think that like someone kind of been in the back of their mind. Uh, really, even since he he left, it was like an agonizing decision for him to leave. Like he didn't want to. Um, you know, he's kind of hinted even behind the scenes that he he kind of longed to get back. Now, I don't think he ever thought this was a possibility. I'm very curious for his first you know press conference probably tomorrow um, for when he talks about it. But when they went, you know, they went searching the last couple of days for upgrades. Uh, obviously, they were attempting to get an OG and an OB sweepstakes, which weren't even, didn't really even end up being realistic for anybody in the league. That's why he didn't get traded. Um, but as they, as they today tried to find veteran upgrades out there, um, you know, they, they talked to Portland and, and about maybe it being like a direct swap, but Portland didn't want James Wiseman. So they had to get creative to, to get something that Portland would take, you know, get something for James Wiseman that Portland would take in, in a package and, um, he was one of the few, I think, veterans that they did identify as can come in and we know he can be in a closing lineup because that was kind of their threshold that they had talked about. It was like, no, it's not just a ninth man upgrade that can play, you know, 14 minutes. It has to be somebody good enough to be in the DiVincenzo Kaminga realm of like on certain nights, he's one of our best five. And there are not many guys for that price range across the league that, you know, you could use James Wiseman to get that fit that description, but they knew that Peyton did because he did it last season. He did it in the finals last season. So, um, shockingly, they went out and, and got the reunion done. They got a trusted agent. And like I was saying earlier in the show, Anthony, if nothing else, maybe they added vibes, like at the trade deadline. Maybe that's what he will bring into the room along with an on-point defender so it doesn't have to all fall on you know, Kaminga to be that point of attack defender. Uh, real quickly on Ananobi, I thought that he was going to be off the board in Toronto when they made the addition of Pirtle. Like, why would you add him to subtract that guy? Uh, were they close? Was there? Did, do you know anything about the offer? If the Warriors really were in a late in the game discussion for Ana, Ananobi, what might have held it up? From what I understand, like, the, you know, they were definitely in conversations with Toronto the last 48 hours or so about OG. Um, you know, Kaminga was involved in those talks, and I, you know, my guess would be that's the holdup. I don't have that, you know, for sure, but uh, I know that it, that's where Toronto's interest is. So you, you mentioned Pirtle. I think that is actually a good deal to, to kind of bookmark because when that went down, you know, I knew that they had been in discussions, the Warriors and, and the Raptors and, and Wiseman's involvement within that. And then once the Raptors got Pirtle, started to get skeptical on it because once you're adding Pirtle, why are you getting James Wiseman? So, um, it's that seemed to fizzle out, and really, like I said, across the league, it seemed to fizzle out because it just seems like Masai Ujiri postures a lot and really like he will only take a deal if he's getting a home run deal, and nobody was really willing to offer that for an average. Like OG and Anobi, in my opinion, kind of got a little bit overhyped the last couple weeks, so 
Uh, I that never got like to the five yard line or anything like that from my understanding. Okay, well he's a Hoosier, you know they get people excited. Yeah, you know, well you you, you need to be a GM somewhere, and and Masai would have swindled you today. <laughs> um, what was of all the trades made today, or really over the last three or four days, which is the one that will have the most? practical positive effect without question without risk for any of the teams involved kevin Durant's sons i mean katie booker i mean chris paul is like a fourth option Aiden, you know as as the third best player on the team like they just fit now they have championship pedigree suddenly like i i don't know i don't know if, if you guarantee me kevin Durant's healthy and obviously that's that's an if um i think they're the title favorites now personally well, I thought that's why it was more of an open question because I don't know that anybody can guarantee the health of a 34-year-old who's missed as much time as he has. It's the best trade, I, I think, but that presumes health. Is there one other than Durant that makes you th- feel that way? I mean, look, I like what the Lakers did. I mean, I can't believe they got Vanderbilt and Beasley within that deal. I think it's funny that it's being hyped as like the D'Angelo Russell deal when I'm like, that's probably like the, he's probably the third best player they got in it. Um, but, you know, if we're talking like what changed the title landscape, I mean the Lakers just went from the 13th seed to like well, probably a play-in team. Uh, so I don't think it's it's that. Even though I like what they did, I mean the Kyrie deal. If we go back four or five days, like that makes Dallas more of a potential threat uh, than they were last week. So there are a few out there, but Durant to me is the one that could rattle the league. No doubt about it. I mean he's a pretty damn good player, even though he. Uh might not be the leader or the come-win-my-way guy that he hoped that he would be when he made the whole splash in Brooklyn to begin with. Uh, if you had to write the obituary on the Brooklyn Nets, what would be your opening couple sentences? Uh, his toe was on the line. Remember the uh, Game 7 where you thought he hit the game winner over Milwaukee? Yep. Uh, the Bucks went on to win the title. Like, What if his, what if his pinky toe is behind the line and, and they win that series? Maybe they win the title. I mean, the Bucks did. So maybe everything's different. Yeah. I mean, it's that is a crazy error to rewrite, especially with all the off-court stuff that goes so far beyond basketball. The vaccine stuff with Kyrie, it's as well. It was nuts. It truly, truly was. So we have the trade deadline officially behind us, but that doesn't mean that we're done building rosters because a buyout market is about to emerge. I'm just going to throw some names at you. You tell me if yeah. you like any of them. You tell me if uh, if 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 you think it'd be a big mistake. Dwight Howard, Serge Ibaka, Pat Bev, Reggie Jackson, Will Barton. Any names interest you there? So the so like you know I think the Pat Beverly's interest like of those five I think it's probably like the one that can have the most playoff impact. But the problem is they're so loaded with guards right now. I mean their three top guys coming off the bench now are, is Poole, DiVincenzo, and Peyton. Those are guards. So I think they need a you know more of a big maybe a stretch big. You know Dwight Howard no. Um, Serge Ibaka, like, he's like, he hasn't made an impact on, like, his last three or four teams. I mean, he sounds like a good name, but he just hasn't done much. So, you know, I don't love any of those. Will Barton's a little bit bigger, but I'm not sure they need a scoring punch like that off the bench. Already having pool. So, no, I mean, nothing, nothing screamed. Like, is anyone out there going to be better than what Jermichael Green's brought lately? And Jermichael Green at this point is your 10th man. So where realistically do these guys end up, assuming that this is this is the hand they've dealt themselves and this is how it's going to 
this is how it's going to be. What's their, what's their, I don't want to say their top, you know, the, the highest they can reach. What's the most likely place they'll end up? You know, playoffs. Um, probably, you know, it depends on what matchup they get in the first round. But I, I would just say this, and I, you know, I've talked to a few people really since the Steph injury, and their opinion now is like, just get us to April, whatever it is, April 17th in a first round series with that established starting lineup all there for tip off game one, probably on the road. Um, and then a, a bench that now is DiVincenzo, Poole, Peyton, Kaminga, you know, that, that that stretches you down to nine. Very athletic, very versatile, very small, but interesting. Uh, and you tip off against whoever you get. You know, maybe that's Denver, maybe that's Memphis, maybe that is the Suns. And, you know, maybe you're slight underdogs, but you're dangerous. And, and, and whoever you're going against did not want to see you in the first round. And, and we'll see where it goes from there. How do the Warriors make sure they don't repeat any developmental mistakes that they might have made with Wiseman, with Patrick Baldwin Jr.? Bring them along slower. Uh, understand what the Curry ecosystem and the Curry ecosystem is. You know, don't try to force feed. You know, what you know, a guy into a role he's incapable of playing, which I think. You know, Baldwin is a different player, and it's probably part of why they drafted him, right? He's more of a, a field player, passing player, shooter, complementary player. Like, James Wiseman wanted post-ups and different stuff. And, like, to me, the, the biggest comparison there is Kaminga, but I think they learned so much with what went wrong with Kam- uh, with Wiseman's year one that I thought they, I think they've just handled Kaminga much more delicately and smarter uh, over the last couple of years, and I think you've seen it in, in the results that Kaminga's blossomed more uh, because I just think they've it's tougher love, but it's also just like smarter, you know, deployment of him in, in certain roles. Do you think we see Steph before March? No, I don't. Uh, and like you know, it's at this point, it's like such a weird injury that it's kind of speculative. Like I don't know for sure that we won't, but um, my guess would be he's missing at least a month. Do, you, do we see GP2 Saturday against the Lakers? I think so. He's healthy. He played last night. Physical tomorrow, sounds like. You know, everybody's got to pass it. And it's such a, it's kind of a convoluted deal with City Bay and Atlanta. And Wiseman's got to get to Detroit. But um, I think, I assume it'll be official and, and everyone will pass physical tomorrow. And you'll get press conferences. And then I think you'll see him Saturday night against the Lakers team. That's going to have a lot of new pieces, too. For a minute there, when it looked like the trade was Sadiq Bay. What'd you think of that? Did you? Th- I, I thought like, hmm, that's kind of an interesting move for the Warriors. I, I like him on the bench. It creates this very strange what if going forward. Because you know what they could have maybe drafted him back in the day, but now it's like a literally you had him on the roster technically for you know twenty minutes or something like that. If Sadiq <laughs> Bay really pops in Atlanta, it's gonna it's gonna like linger as a what if. But I will say about him. He's kind of disappointed in year three, and you know he's coming off Detroit's bench. They kind of sour on him. I mean, they traded him. That's, that tells you something. Always great to talk to you, Slater. Thank you very much for making time for us on a day you're extra busy. Yeah, all right, fellas. Thank you. Anthony Slater here on 95.7 The Game. That The interesting thing about that entire conversation is that he reminded us that the Warriors also did some damage to Weissman by trying to rush him along. And Kerr has acknowledged that time and again, that they basically gave him minutes and tried to make him into what they wanted while giving him minutes. But they also did it in an environment that you couldn't ask for what you really wanted because he wasn't playing with Curry. Which is true, which is why I say in that year, 
I think that set him back too. But they they wanted him to reward them right away, and he wasn't ready to do that. And they gave him minutes that basically allowed him to become the ball of inconsistency that he became. So that, you know, the Warriors bear some responsibility too. Well, and I think it's good to remember. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Look, for a team that hasn't gotten much wrong, or whenever has made a mistake, they quickly got out from underneath it. This is a mistake from a lot of different angles. It was a mistake in the evaluation to draft him. It was a mistake to evaluate your team ready to take on a player in in a way that your team's not really built to play. Then the mistakes of him just showing up. The mistakes of the development, the mistakes of not bringing him along, the mistakes of giving him too much and then giving him, you know, the reward for giving him too much turned into, well, we're not going to give you anything. And that was maybe too much of a pendulum swing, which is why I asked, how do they avoid repeating all this with Patrick Baldwin Jr.? Because Patrick Baldwin Jr. in the teensy, eensy, weensy, tiny little slices we've seen of him. He's got a little bit of a shot. He's got a little bit of a feel, as Anthony Slater just said. So how do you get anything out of that or not squash what you've seen and just let him rot through his sequences of coach DNPs? Because I think they don't view it as rotting because they look at how Kaminga has turned out the way they've done that. And I think that's what they're doing with Baldwin, too, which is we're not going to give you minutes till we think you're ready for them. And here's what we expect when we when we play you. Um, I think they've sort of solved that problem, at least mentally. So the question becomes, how does Baldwin handle it? Because I think they've they've acknowledged pretty freely that the Weissman experiment was mishandled all the way around. And they've gotten it better with Kaminga. And I think they're probably using that same template with Baldwin. So here's the deal. The NBA trade deadline... It was freaking awesome. It was like basketball cocaine all morning long. It really was. It was great. Uh, Jillian popped upstairs and saw me sitting with my cup of coffee. And she's like, you look excited today. I'm like, I have no idea what we're going to be talking about because the end of the deadline's not here yet. We got five second round picks coming back to the Warriors. What they're about to do with that, I do not know. What is? I love days like today. I know a lot of you as basketball fans love days like today. What do you like about how the Warriors sit after this? What do you fear about the Warriors' position in the Western Conference with all the other moves around the orbit of the James Wiseman trade? The era is over. You can stop asking about the era. Seriously. That was not much of an era, but we do have more of your calls, wide open phone lines, and we're coming back to talk to you, 888-957-9570. The Warriors, at the very least, did they add vibes with Gary Payton II. It's Damon and Ratto here on 95.7 The Game. Again, thanks to Anthony Slater for joining us on the Bud Light guest line. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy. We're brought to you by Fremont Bank, full service banking, no compromises. Back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. Well, you can go ahead and see everything we do here on 95.7 The Game on the YouTube page. 95.7 The Game. Click subscribe. You'll be happy you did. 
That's right. though. So, yeah, no. I, I mean, if you're a, if you're a Warriors fan, today's the day you wanted to click subscribe and consume everything that we've been talking about. It's a very interesting day. The Warriors they got a little bit better. The teams that they're chasing, one in particular today, theoretically got an awful lot better because they added Kevin Durant. And look, I got a bucket full of thoughts on Kevin Durant. We have been emptying our buckets of thought about James Wiseman, why the Warriors made the mistake of the pick in the first place. I think we can exonerate that mistake, but you can't pretend it didn't happen. And the best time to get out of a deal that's not working for you is today, and a worse time than today would be tomorrow. Warriors might have gotten even more from James Wiseman had they moved on earlier, had they done it last year when they knew it wasn't working out. But there wasn't much of an opportunity too, because he was constantly hurt. They sort of not only got the player wrong, all the circumstances to then which improve or create value or even the illusion of value around said player, all of those kind of dissolved too. And I think if I would have just leaned forward right before the Warriors were tipping off against the Portland Trailblazers last night, just asked you straight up. I know this doesn't make an awful lot of sense, but what would be better for the remainder of this year? (laughs) Excuse me. What would be better for the remainder of this year? Holding on to the promise of James Wiseman or trading him ipso facto for Gary Payton II? I think every single Warriors fan, all of them, would have said do that deal. Do the deal. Give me Gary Payton II back. He's a trusted agent. I know what he does. I know how he fits. And the other guy isn't even playing. So do that. Sure. Well, I would quibble with your definition of every Warrior fan. Because there are still people who believe that, oh, you, you had to be more patient with him. I mean, you see it on that ridiculous text line. But hey, Ike Diagu just needs a little more time, Ray. Uh, it doesn't mean they're right. I'm just telling you that there's a very, very palpable sentiment of they did him dirty. And... I mean, I would have moved him too, but I think if he had shown value at any point, they wouldn't have traded him. Right. That's the point. I mean, just if you play him enough and all of a sudden you see those flashes, you get, you know, re-smitten and then he doesn't get moved. Re-smote? No, it's smitten. Smitten. Um, Look, it's... Yeah, I really do think that the project of James Wiseman is continuing today if there weren't an element of injury concern about him. If this were just pure basketball development, you chip away at someone who's made from this quality of marble. You, you keep on sanding and refining and trying to find how it can work and fit for you. But again, ultimately, Wiseman didn't fit in the minutes where Curry wasn't on the court. And in an even more damning statement of his position in the franchise... He fit even worse with Steph Curry on the court. You cannot be a detriment to Steph Curry's on-court minutes if you're going to be a Golden State Warrior. He quickly became a detriment. Steph Curry's greatness was rendered measurably easy to see less great when he would share on-court minutes with James Wiseman. It's just the way it went. And that was essentially a simple matter of set the screen and stay with the screen. He always peeled off that screen too early because he thought it was going to always going to be a pick and roll, and that the high screen the Warriors run is almost never a pick and roll. Well, and you know too, part of the screen is actual body to body contact, and James Wiseman would peel off before he even really got physical, which means he didn't trust his body, didn't trust his legs, didn't trust his base to power. I don't know. I don't know. He just he's not oh, oh, a physical guy for a no, physical specimen. No, I think it was more. 
I don't want to get tangled up with this guy because then I'm not going to get the ball back. When, in fact, the play's not designed for him to get the ball back. You know, I think he, it wasn't that he bailed out because he was afraid of the contact. I think he thought the next part of the process is, all right, now I roll to the basket and I'm getting the lob. And on this team, they don't lob. No, well, and that also, you know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like the wide receiver who knows he's not getting the ball, so he's not going to run his off-ball route as hard as he would had he known he was getting the ball on the play. Like, to me, that just, it doesn't jive with me, man. Like, you, th- there's the way you want to play, and there's the way you want this play to run, but then there's the way that this play is being run. So we're just going to go with that observable reality, not your wishes, dreams, and desires, especially you, 19-year-old kid. No, I, 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 but that that's exactly what I'm saying. It's that... He, in the limited time that he was playing, you know, he always imagined pick means roll. And with this team, pick doesn't always mean roll. Pick means pick. And you stay with the pick and then let Curry decide what happens from there. And I think that was one of the limitations in his, you know, learning process. Is that he, you know, either had been taught or had seen you know, the way most teams like to play that play and just said, well, now I'm supposed to, now I'm supposed to peel off and make myself available for the ball. And Stephen Curry decides when you're available for the ball, not you. I wonder what Cade Cunningham's going to look to do when that first pick and roll becomes the roll. Will he lob it up? Probably not. I mean, Cade Cunningham is the ball-dominant guy on that team. So I don't imagine that he will. I mean, you know, look, just because Weissman has suddenly gone to another team and he's going to get starts. Sure, by the way, Cade's not even out there. Yeah, but but when he comes back. Right. Um, you know, there's no guarantee that all of a sudden that offense is going to revolve around Weissman either. I mean, they've got more invested in other people. Cunningham... Certainly the, the the most prominent of those. So he's going to have to, you know, blend into a second team. And they might have him do a lot of different skills that he wasn't going to use with the Warriors, but they're not all going to be, you know, about him possessing the ball. This is Brian in San Francisco. Brian, you're on 95.7 The Game with Damon and Ratto. Hello. Hey, guys. Um, wow. Can we just get, like, a round of applause for this? This was absolutely awesome. The NFL and NBA are, like, the craziest free agency and trades and whatever and deadlines. But I'm more happy, and I'm sorry to say that James Wiseman's gone. He was never going to fit. My hope for him was for him to be, like, a Kevon Looney, but just a little bit better. But, well, it wasn't, it wasn't going to end up like that. I'm just happy that Gary Payne's back. And, honestly, any Warriors fan that is saying that, Oh, we should have gave Jai Wiseman more time. This is that. I think you're kind of kidding yourself. He's a good player. He's just not in our system. That's all I want to say. And thank you guys for an awesome show. Oh, thank you, Brian. Look, no, I'm not saying they're right. I'm just saying they're out there. What's out there? The fans who believe that the Warriors should have kept Wiseman and given him more time. Well, look, we can't completely rule them wrong, right? We can't, because we're you- dealing with an unknown. No, but we can't we can rule them wrong based on the fact that part of being a warrior is showing that you could contribute to that. Look, all you really need to know about the Golden State Warriors thoughts of James Wiseman were revealed today. That's everything you need to know. What you what you speculated might have been the reality today they showed you. Oh, but they've been showing people that for weeks now. 
every every game that he was in Santa Cruz and every game that he was with the big club and didn't play, you know, they were telling you something, but people didn't want to hear it because they they believed in a reality that never manifested itself. Maybe there's a, an alternate universe where you know he becomes LeBron James, but it ain't this one. And it wasn't going to be the one inside a Chase Center. I mean, that's it. It's one thing to be able to actually play, and then it's another thing to fit. I don't know if he can play, and he certainly didn't fit. It's too bad. It's too bad. The best laid plans sometimes go awry uh, when you actually implement them. They tried. I understand why they tried. I understand why they took a swing. I can tell you this. There aren't an awful lot of GMs who are ecstatic with their 2020 NBA draft results. I'm just going through this draft right here, Ray. It stinks. Anthony Edwards is a good player. He went number one overall. James Wiseman traded today. LaMelo Ball. Jerry's still out, but he looks like he's a pretty good player. Bulls, Patrick Williams. Nobody knows. Isaac Okoro, Cavaliers. He's okay. He can play. Yeah. Uh, Onyeka Okongwu of the Hawks. No one's uh, buying Okongwu tickets. Killian Hayes of the Pistons. Not quite yet. Obi Toppin. Not quite yet. Denny Avdia. Not quite yet. Jalen Smith. Not quite yet. Devin Vassell. Who who do he play for? Anyone? Who's he, who drafted Devin Vassell? Do you want me to answer that? I know you know. Spurs. The guy who might have been the right player for the Warriors to have picked was the 12th pick in the draft when the Kings took Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton would have been a great Golden State Warrior. He'd still be on the team, that's for sure, playing like he's playing. Pelicans drafting Kara Lewis Jr. Ooh. Aaron Naismith, Cole Anthony, Isaiah Stewart. A name I'm not even going to try to pronounce. Alexei Pokashevsky. Thank you. Josh Green. And then Sadiq Bey goes 19th to the Nets. Sadiq Bey today in a redraft goes above James Wiseman. Presses and Chua uh, goes to the Heat. Tyrese Maxey to the 76ers. He's a little bit of a player. RJ Hampton, not really a little bit of a player. Emmanuel Quickly, he flashed a little bit with the Knicks. Peyton Pritchard with the Celtics. He was on the block today, didn't get moved. Desmond Bain was the last pick of the first round. When the last pick of your first round is easily one of the top six players in that draft, that was a terrible first round. Yeah, no, he's a top three guy. He might, in fact, he and Halliburton might be one and one A. Desmond Bain is important to a very good team. Yeah, dude, Anthony Edwards can play. He's still going number one. Oh, no, whether he goes number one or not, if if we have to redraft today and I get get to have the rest of the, the Grizzlies around me, I'll take Bain every time because Bain makes a difference on a team that wins. Anthony Edwards is still very ball dominant on a team that doesn't know whether it's coming or going. Welcome, boys and girls, to your 5 o'clock hour. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.